0: Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, his guild is definitely Matt Silesnia. that's Matt Morgan.
1: You know, due to the popularity of Rograk, son of Rogah, I've decided to help my future offspring you know, be popular in high school, but I'm going to name them uh, Mograk, son of Morgan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt, I, I love the journeys that you take us on at the beginning of every episode. That's so the, delightful. They're too.
1: certainly adventures. That is the <laughs> the least of they are.
0: That was uh, sincerely. That makes that warms my heart up. That was awesome. Uh, next, his guild is gilded goose. That's Dana Roach.
2: Uh, From a New Year's resolution, I have vowed to not hold my hand on the uh, window glass of my bed when it's zero degrees out, and then touch my wife's neck because. I've been told if I do that again, I have to start sleeping in the garage and nobody wants that. Um, So it's a new year, fresh start. No more doing that. That's um, that's
0: cold of you, Dana. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, 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 um, Moving on. You've been hanging around Matt way too much. And Matt's not the only one who can do dad jokes, but um, anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Fellas, what is it that we're talking about this week? We are talking about the commander color breakdown. That we are looking through the most popular, especially monocolor and two-color combinations to see what are the most popular ones out there, which color is actually on top, which colors on bottom, because it might actually not be the ones that you think it is. So we'll get into that. But before we do, we want to give a huge thank you to Josh LeQuai and the team at The Command Zone. They handle all of the post-production work on our podcast here. It's great stuff, makes the podcast look as awesome as it does. So thank you so much. And of course, a brief thank you for our sponsors for the show too.
2: Yeah, the EDH Recast is sponsored by by both card kingdom and a tcg player um, i just picked up an entire 100 card deck I uh, bought about half the cards from tcg player and about half from card kingdom for a charity event i recently did with the scrap trawlers um, if you would like to buy cards for your deck you just have to go to edh rec and click on the card you want choose the vendor link down below and go and buy the card
1: doing so supports both the site and the show Or if you would prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. We have patron tiers of all levels, whether you want to join the Discord community that we have going on. Or if you prefer to maybe get some swag every now and then, we will be sending out playmats, t-shirts, all sorts of different gear. And we have a tier where you're going to get some of that. a couple times a year. You can do all of these things and more over at patreon.com slash EDH We even have a tier where we give a shout out to a certain patron every single week. And our patron this week that we are going to shout out is Sam Berry, who is the best Berry, um, hangs out with Boo Berry and Count Chocula all the time. <laughs> Oh, what? <laughs> Matt, I love that even during
0: the patron shoutouts, you love to try and bamboozle me during each of the shoutouts. Those, are, really those are
2: real breakfast cereals, Joey, along with Fruit Brute <laughs> and Yummy Mummy and Sam Berry.
0: Oh, man. Sam Berry, thank you so much for being a supporter. We really, really appreciate all the support from all of our awesome patrons. Thank you all so much. OK, let's move on now to our main topic here. What we're going to be discussing is the most popular commander colors, basically. Uh, Specifically, we want to focus on mono colors and two color combinations because, uh, I don't know, there's kind of this perception about what are the most powerful colors in, uh, you know, in the commander format. And I think that that has kind of infiltrated a lot of the way that we as commander players perceive their popularity, not just their power levels. And that's something that we kind of want to dispel, you know, as part of the last episode that we did sort of orientating where we are going into 2021, we also want to actually set the stage and see where are the color combinations currently sitting for this year and maybe we can measure that up at the end of this year too so we kind of just want to see what's going on let's start with mono color specifically looking at mono color decks before we even get to the data actually matt dana do you think that you have a guess of which of the mono color combinations i guess like you know mono black decks or mono white decks or mono red decks which of them do you think is currently on top and which one do you think is on bottom
1: I mean, mono-white seems to get lamented every single new set, so that seems like an easy answer. Um, And as far as most popular, I think blue, probably.
2: Blue, probably. Okay. I I would have guessed white for um, least popular and green for most popular. Definitely one of the saltite colors, but probably um, green.
0: Yeah, and I think that most of our listeners are going to be on exactly the same page there. The white being, you know, the least popular monocolor combination, that one's actually already pretty self-evident. You can just browse through the track page and you're like, oh, that's kind of a shame, isn't it? But the top monocolor is a bit of not quite a surprise, but it isn't necessarily what you expect. I mean, we always talk about, everyone in Commander always talks about how, you know, green is really, really, really powerful. But does that mean that it's necessarily the most popular? Let's find out. Uh, let's start from the bottom. Matt, do you want to take us through the monocolor combinations, the monocolor decks
1: and uh, from the bottom and see, you know, w- what's the order that they're in? Well, if we're going to start from the bottom and end up here, uh, we can surely do that. So starting at the <laughs> bottom, the least popular monocolor, co- uh, m- not really combination, but least popular Monochromatic decks. They are going to be the mono white decks. Sorry. Um, 10,500 decks or so coming in for mono white. And fourth, actually, big surprise, Dana, you lose, uh, is mono green coming at 16,300 decks. Moving up into third place is blue. I barely won, but I still... Still one um, blue with almost seventeen thousand decks in second place. Mono red actually has uh, almost eighteen thousand decks, and then mono black is the most popular with pushing nineteen thousand mono black decks on the EDHREC database.
0: See, black is the best, and everyone should just play mono black because you got your Kyrix and you got your Yagmots, and it's like really awesome, and it's the best color. And you guys are wrong, haha, <laughs> in your face. I didn't actually make an official guess, so maybe I can't actually brag about that. But mono black is the best, and this proves it. And that's that's all there is
1: to say, right? If you could see my face no? right now, you'd see how unimpressed I am with you. <laughs>
2: It's definitely pretty interesting. Not only is it kind of shocking to see red where it is, because I would never have guessed red would crack the top three, let alone number two. Um, But the gap then between white and the next four, is larger than I thought it would be as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, mono white at the bottom not very popular. White's got some stuff that it's got to work on before we're able to get super excited about it for commander for sure. But especially seeing red get to the second place for mono-colored decks, that's really impressive, but seeing green in fourth place of the colors. Like granted it still got in the database 6,000 decks more than the last place uh section there, but like man, seeing green wasn't number 1 did actually come as a bit of a surprise to me even though I know like that I'd love mono black so much and it's super awesome but like the perception around green's power level would have also led me to believe that it might be number one and it's actually number four
2: yeah if like if you'd have told me you know i I guess green is number one if you said well that's not right try again i would have went well two well three i mean like at no point would it ever have occurred (laughs) to me that green was that far down
1: well and it's interesting too that blue and green are are, i mean they're not really separated by all that much just you know a few hundred decks Um, but they're both kind of like middling in there the fact that black and red both are a healthy chunk ahead of both of those two as Mm -hmm. well, just like the size of that gap is is pretty significant, especially when we're talking about, you know, we always talk about Simic being the the most broken of color combinations. So seeing them by, you know, the blue and the green by themselves so low. Um, That is kind of surprising.
0: And that, I think, keys into an important detail here. This is just the mono-color decks. We're not talking about decks that contain the color green. We're talking about mono-colored, mono-green decks. And that is, I think, a huge point of what can make black and red able to flourish in this particular way. A way that a mono-black deck is going to be good isn't necessarily a way that will be as cohesive with what a lot of other colors are going to be up to, for example. You know, the ways that mono-red can be really good isn't necessarily going to jive with support from other colors. I think we've seen this in our... um when we did the color balanced and color imbalanced, the most uh, color imbalanced decks, we saw that red is often very underrepresented when it is a part of a three color deck, for example. There might be a whole bunch of white cards and a whole bunch of black cards, but there are very, very, very few red cards in a Mardu deck, for example, just sort of on average. You know, the balance has shifted away from red, but when it is allowed to just be on its own, the ways that red cards are good are good in ways that help out other red cards. So that is what allows it to flourish as a single color, just like with black, in a way that maybe the other colors work. More cohesively with, uh, you know, when they're in a three color deck, for example, but not necessarily on their own.
1: Well, and when we get to the most popular commanders in each individual color, the mono red commanders, you're going to have the feeling of. Oh, yeah, I guess that is mono-red. Oh, yeah, that's really (laughs) popular. That's also mono-red. So when we think about the specific commanders, we don't just think of the colors as, you know, a power ranking, as it were, and more of how many decks would people actually be building and what are those commanders, then this list starts to make a lot more sense and and it's less surprising to see.
0: Yeah, I totally think that makes sense. It's kind of interesting, actually, to look through these because there are, you know, a bunch of these colors. You can, if you draw a line at, like, let's say, a thousand decks, for example, it doesn't quite line up with uh, where we're seeing the colors fall. For example, green has four commanders with over 1,000 decks to their name, whereas black actually only has three commanders with over 1,000 decks to their name. And red has two commanders with over 1,000 decks to their name. So it's kind of interesting to see where the weight of uh, the popularity has kind of shifted from among the mono colors. Um, Matt, do you wanna take us through some of those most popular commanders from each of those mono colors? What's actually going on in those top spots?
1: Yeah, well, like you said, green has four commanders that have over a thousand decks those four are going to be Gargos Vicious Watcher which is the legendary Hydra that um, can fight all sorts of creatures you have the Elf Tribal Commander uh, Azuri Renegade Leader you also have Bear Tribal with Ayula Queen Among Bears and finally Marwin the Nurturer which is one that I didn't really expect to see having over a thousand decks to its name.
0: Yeah Elf Tribal is kind of a competitive spot I'd say if you're pushing up against another mono green elf commander Azuri it's cool to see that they both were able to break that threshold
2: yeah in marwin is a is a very strong commander i don't think anyone's there, or, or at least a strong card but i was absolutely surprised to see people going that route for a commander i would never have guessed a thousand decks from marwin
0: yeah. When we look at some other colors, though, this is where I think we start to see the, um, the sort of shift, the weight and popularity kind of uh, emerge there. If we look at black, for example, it's got three commanders with over a thousand decks, but they've got well over a thousand decks. You know, Kirik, son of Yagmath for example, has over two thousand decks to his name. Yawgmoth ran physician has nearly eighteen hundred. There's also Maronar, which is the rat tribal commander, I think. Um, and that one's got like 1, thirteen hundred. So, you know, it is actually quite weighted a whole lot more in mono black. Um, Even if there are fewer with over a 1,000 decks, how much weight they carry is really, really impressive.
2: One thing kind of interesting about the black decks compared to the green decks, the green ones, you look at those commanders, you know what they're doing. You know, Marwyn and Azuri are doing elves. Gargos is doing kind of a Hydra thing. Um, Ayula is doing a bear thing. Um, The two black commanders seem much more open-ended. Yawgma's got a lot of ways Mm -hmm. you can build him. Um, Kirik has a lot of ways you can build it. So that's kind of interesting to see that the green... Leaders are, are are decks that are relatively focused, and the black ones are ones that are relatively open ended. Mm-hmm. Um, if you move down then to blue, where we have um, three commanders over a thousand decks here, um, Urza High, Lord High Artificer's at just over 2,300. You have Talrand Sky Summoner way down at 1,200, and Emery Lurker of the Lock, another artifact-based commander, at just over 1,000. Um, so two artifact commanders and Talrand who makes drakes off of instant sorceries. It's interesting to see Urza and Emery share a lot of the same space, and they've still managed to claw their way over 1,000. That too,
0: yeah. I mean, artifacts as a general strategy are just really, really popular. Um, but even then, the competition, there's, there's enough there. Um, Urza's got a whole ton of popularity, but I do think it kind of not it does drop off just a little bit there. Um, And maybe the focus is sort of a piece of that, like we saw with the mono green commanders.
1: Well, I mean, if you want to talk about competition, we mentioned there were two, you know, elf tribal decks in mono green. There's approximately like seven thousand four hundred and thirteen mono blue artifact commanders. So (laughs) the fact that, you know, you have two that are able to stand out in Emery and Urza. In mono blue, like that that's saying quite a bit actually because there's there is so much competition for a mono blue artifact based commander more so than probably I can think of any other theme color combination
0: yeah, so Matt earlier you hinted at you know ooh those most popular mono red commanders, and I think that they have a lot in common with uh, what Dana just pointed out about their open endedness what are the most popular mono red commanders that you said would make you go oh
1: well, we got to start off with the most popular mono color commander, which is mono red. That is Krenko Mob Boss with over 2,500 decks to his name. Um, we also have Torbrin, Thane of the Fell with almost 1,800 decks. And those two alone are doing some pretty heavy work there. And that's not even counting some of them that don't hit that 1,000 deck threshold, like I was thinking of, like Purphoros, God of the Forge, and a couple other just heavy hitters.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and it's funny because Krenko is like, you know, that is a Goblin Tribal Commander deck, right? I mean, like, yes, technically, but it's also just so aggro that if you just want to go aggro, it's still a good thing to use even if you aren't going to commit super heavily to the Goblin theme. Krenko can just put in a bunch of work all on his own, even if he's the only Goblin in the whole deck. So, that's um definitely the kind of thing that makes you go, oh.
1: Yeah, definitely, oh. <laughs> oh. Because, like, well, it's more like ow, I think is how it's pronounced. Ow. Ah, ah, that's it, ow, yes.
2: I don't think we're surprised at all to see Krenko there. Like, we We've made the comment multiple times in the past doing like a review show where there's a new mono red goblin ish commander and we've repeatedly been like, yeah, but there's Krenko who tends to be just a little bit better because it's such a strong commander. So this is the one like looking at the list that seems the least surprising to me when I think of mono red. I just think Krenko full stop. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and then when we talk about white, it sadly has no commanders that are over (laughs) 1,000 decks. Its most popular one is SRAM Senior Edificer, who lets you draw cards when you cast auras and equipment, which is, you know, a a good ability for sure. But uh, there's, I think, really just not as much creativity (laughs) happening with the mono-white commanders. You know, we get Linden the Steadfast Queen as some of the random options in the average set, as opposed to, you know, the stuff like... Urza or Gargos that can come out in other sets that really just like activate your mind and promise quite a lot of stuff that they can do. So that makes it kind of no surprise that white is nearly half as popular in terms of monocolor decks. White is like nearly half as popular as the most popular color black um, in terms of monocolor decks. And that's just it's not shocking. Um, It is it is sad. And I'm really, really hoping that by the end of 2021, maybe some activity might happen in there. I don't have my hopes up. But I, 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 my fingers are crossed.
2: You know, in, in the defense of mono white, this is one of those things. It does take time for the designs to make their way to us in, in actual cardboard form. Um, mm-hmm. They've been aware of this for a while. This is hopefully the year where some of those attempts to rectify this will actually make their way into our hands um, physically. So... I, I'm I'm a little hopeful here that we'll, we'll see some change to these numbers. Fingers crossed.
0: My my personal hope is just that like the Wizards doesn't forget to make certain cool, exciting white cards legendary. Like Luminous Broodmoth, for example, would have actually been pretty cool to be a mono white legendary creature. But it wasn't. Requested Sunmare is a huge example for mm-hmm. me. Like if that had been a legendary horse that you gain life and you make more horses, like I would have built that deck yesterday. That sounds really excited, but they they, they just forgot to make it legendary. So I'm just I'm hoping more of that. Like that deep that would be really really, really
1: well joey they they did make luminous brood moth legendary you just have to buy a certain version of luminous Broodmoth. <laughs> right
0: it, it's not legendary it just looks legendary it just which has a name
1: and a proper you know title and everything so
0: Anyway, those were the monocolors and that was kind of, you know, the simple stuff. I think really what we're excited to get to in this show is actually the guilds, because this is where I think it's a lot more surprising. Like we all kind of predicted that mono white would be at the bottom and, you know, we were surprised to see that green wasn't actually the most popular monocolor deck. But you know, once we've seen the results, it's not necessarily all that surprising. But the guilds, I think, might actually throw some people off here before we get to the uh, the two color guild combinations, though, and see where the popularity lies for them. Let's take a brief pause and uh, let's challenge some stats. Challenge of Stats is one of our favorite segments here on the show. There's a lot of data on EDA Trek, but we just don't always agree with it, you know? Sometimes I think that cards see too much play and sometimes I think that cards see too little play. So what we like to do is challenge those stats here. Matt, do you want to
1: start us off this week? What's your challenge? So my challenge this week is another challenge for Jared Carthalian decks. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Jared Carthalian is that new Naya commander that deals all about the monarch uh, or monarchy mechanic, I should say, um, making other players become the monarch. But then you just take it back and uh, doing all sorts of different things, gets plus one, plus one counters whenever he's dealt damage. And that's actually the key ability that I want to dive in on, on this card that is not showing up on Jared Carthalian's page at all. But actually, I took a little bit of inspiration from uh, the Grothama All-Devouring, which is the big, I don't think it's a hydra, I don't think it's a worm. It's just a big, weird creature that gets dealt a lot of damage. <laughs> so if you are playing the certain Jared Carthalian deck that we see on the website that is playing a lot of damage-based board wipes, the Blasphemous Act, and you plan on putting a lot of plus one, plus one counters onto Jared Carthalian because you dealt a bunch of damage to all the creatures, Druid's Call is a card that I think you want to be slotting in onto into those decks because... It's just such a powerhouse. So Druid's Call is an enchantment aura for one and a green, and it reads, Whenever enchanted creature is dealt damage, its controller puts that many 1-1 green squirrel creature tokens into play. Now, everybody started paying attention to this card because coming coming up in Caldheim, we did see a legendary squirrel, which is indestructible because squirrels are just unbeatable apparently but (laughs) druid's call is another great card that i think jared carthalian decks would love to have because you can play that blasphemous act for one red mana deal a bunch of damage to jared carthalian and make a small army while you're at it it is such a great card if you're dealing with any sort of damage-based sweepers really but in jared carthalian decks druid's call is not on the page at all and i think that should be probably one of the most played enchantments i would say
0: dang that is a fun piece of tech because yeah that deck is really surrounding so many damage effects and like brash taunter effects Mm -hmm. for example to help you know put that damage in other places or get extra benefits from them um so that that sounds very scary and i'm kind of suspicious matt that in One of our future games, you might wind up with a... saucy, you never know. (laughs) You might wind up with a board full of squirrel tokens that I'll have to keep my eye out for. Maybe. You never know. Just
2: just a theory. All right, Dana, let's move on to your challenge. Uh, My challenge is our listener submitted challenge this week from Justin, who goes by at jbay87 on Twitter. Um, Flare of the Hatebound is in 49% of Chainer Nightmare Adept decks. And let me read Chainer here. Discard a card, and you may cast a creature card from your graveyard this turn. And whenever a non-token creature enters benefit under your control, if you didn't cast from your hand, it gains haste. Uh, Flayer of the Hatebound is is relevant here. A lot of decks are running it, almost 50%. Um, whenever Flare of the Hatebound or another creature enters the battlefield from your graveyard, that creature deals damage equal to its power to any target. So that seems like a, a logical include in that deck um, at 49%, if not more. However, <laughs> the relevant portion here is if you actually go to Flare of the Hatebound and drill down into the rules, there's a note here that says if you cast a creature card from your graveyard, that card will be put on the stack before entering the battlefield. Flare of the hate bound, therefore won't trigger. So it's actually a non-bow here with Chain Error, Nightmare Adept. Um, and unless you really know the rules like at a judge level or happen to see that note, that's a really easy thing to miss. So I would bet not only is it in 49% too many decks, but most of those are people that just aren't aware of that rules exemption. I mean that
0: card even came in the precon for that. I think it was the Ractos <laughs> Madness deck, um, and I feel like it was probably intended to work in some way with Chainer's ability. So like that's the level of disguisedness that you're dealing with on that particular sure. interaction. It, it gets, can certainly still be worth it if you're like you know if you animate dead something for example that does enter directly from the graveyard. So with enough of those effects, you could certainly be able to justify it. But generally, yeah, this does not work with Chainer's ability, and that is a huge nombo. So um, Justin, thank you for pointing it out, that's a really good thing for folks to be aware of because I also was not aware of it and then someone had to school me when I was trying to build Aractos for the first time in my life and that that didn't work and now now I'm making sad graveyard noises and now now I'm just sad. It's it's rare that I get sad about necromancy but that's a Nambo that people need to know about. Anyway, I'm going to move on from being sad about necromancy. I'm going to talk about Golgari. That always makes me a lot happier. Uh, My challenge here is actually going to be about elves like we talked about earlier. There's that new elf ball commander from Commander Legends, the Llanow Abomination, a Golgari literal elf ball in its really, really scary. Um, And there's a card that I feel like is going to get overlooked for Elf Tribal, especially as we're moving into Kaldheim, which seems to promise that there might be some Elf Tribal stuff happening there too. The card that I'm looking at here is Elvish Clan Caller. It is green, green for a 1-1. It's a rare from M19. And it simply says that other elves you control get plus one, plus one. There is other text on it where you can go search for other copies of Elvish Clan Caller, but it it doesn't matter. You don't care about that. We're a singleton format. We don't need it. But it's an anthem that is only showing up up in 18% of the Land of War Abomination deck so far, and that seems too low. Elves really like their anthems. You know, The typical elf deck is just full of stuff like Imperius Perfect, a whole bunch of those abilities, and this is a two-mana version of it, so don't let it get overlooked. I think wherever its placement is, maybe that final ability, it's throwing people off, but this is a lesser known elf anthem that you should definitely pay attention to if you are building Elf Ball or any type of elf tribal. Don't let it go overlooked.
1: Well, Joey, it it is kind of interesting, actually, when you look at elves as a tribal deck there aren't a ton of lords getting played in the decks but then we look at others like you know merfolk for example there's a ton of lords so it's surprising to not see that many elves playing you know those lord or anthem type of effects so having a couple is always pretty handy just in, in any tribal deck really
0: Oh, yeah, they absolutely add up, especially with elves, which are pretty famous for crowding out with tons of different bodies with like, you know, there's the four mana sorcery that can create like an elf token for each of your elves already. And the anthems can really make that very, very, very scary, very quickly. So uh, watch out for those. There are some cool anthems in places that you might not expect. All right, guys, let's get into our main topic again. We talked about monocolor at the top of the show, but now let's talk about the two color combinations and we'll probably end up talking about the shards and wedge color combinations. Combinations on a different episode. For now, I really want to focus in on those guilds specifically, the popularity of them, and what player perception of the popularity would be. Because um, we actually ran a poll on our Twitter account. Follow us at EDHRECast on Twitter. We have a bunch of fun stuff going on there. Um, we ran a poll to see what people think are the most popular, uh, the most popular two color combinations. You know, what do you think is the the top color combo? What do you think is the least popular color combo? And I think the results are kind of what I expected, but. They aren't necessarily correct either. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Let's just actually get to the data. Matt, when we ran a you know a poll about which color combination do people think is the most popular, what were the results? What did we see public perception was about the most popular guild combos?
1: Well, like I said earlier, we we all kind of expected the simic the colors to stand up a little bit. And that's what the players, or not the players, but the followers, I should say, also thought. So on the poll that we ran, uh, Asking what the most popular guild combos were. The four options were Simic, Golgari, Demir, and Izzet. And over fifty-six percent of responses said they were thinking Simic was gonna stand out on top. Then Golgari and Izzet, and then Demir came in last place, only about six percent of the votes. So but far and away, everybody kind of assumed Simic was going to be the most popular color combination that we were gonna look at.
0: Yeah, about twenty-three percent voted for Golgari, about 12, 13-ish percent voted for Is it? But Simic far and away was the choice of people when they were thinking which color combo was the most popular. Then we also asked what uh, what players thought was the least popular guild. What was the least popular two-color combination? Dana, what were the results that we found there when we polled
2: people? Um, So again, I don't think anyone is surprised at what the perception, at least of the listeners, was here. Um, Boros... Came in at 39.9% of the votes of people assuming it was the least popular, uh, followed by Azorius at 28.7, Rakdos at 18.9, and Gruul at 12.5. So a pretty commanding lead, um, at least among our listeners, assuming that Boros would be the least popular guild. And does that also follow in with what you guys expect? Like, do you also think that, you know, Simic's
0: got to be the number one guild and Boros has got to be in last place just going off of, you know, we know how powerful and alluring
2: their commanders and their cards can be. Is that what you expected too? Is that where you think you might've voted? I I think I did vote in this poll and I'm fairly (laughs) certain I picked Simic for number one, most popular and Boros for least popular. So at the very least, I am in line with the listeners, whether or not that's correct or not. I guess we'll find out in a minute.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, like Dana said earlier, Simic, some combination of the Soltai color pie is going to end up being. The, the most popular guild color as well. And then the non-Sultai colors, hint, hint, um, probably are going to be left out. Um, I mean, there, there might be one like maybe Azorius or Rakdos might be, because as I recall, the last time we looked at the numbers, um, neither of those was terribly popular as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's uh, that's the important part, I think, going into this. When we actually look at the data and we you know summed it all up and we actually spread it out, looked at the spreadsheet and we got to the actual numbers, collecting all of it, we saw that Boros is is in fact not the least popular two-color combination, and Simic is not the most popular two-color combination, which, um... I just think that that's really cool. Like player perception doesn't necessarily line up with what the popularity actually is. Matt, take us through what is the least popular color combination for two colors?
1: So the least popular guild combination is going to be the Azorius Senate. They are too stiff and stringent with the rules and (laughs) players don't seem to like that. Um, Only about 10,000 decks or so in the Azorius colors. Um, Coming in at nine, there's the Boros. There they are. We knew they wouldn't be too far behind. (laughs) And then just above them in eighth place is the Gruul Clan, um, just under 13,000 decks coming in uh, for the Gruul, so... So there you go. If we move up just a little bit more, next
0: we have Silesnia. Matt, I'm I'm sorry to break your heart a
1: little bit. We're but, we're out um, of the bottom three. That's
0: all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I know that you love Selesnia a whole lot, but it, it isn't all that popular. Sorry. Um, just above Selesnia with about thirteen thousand decks, we've got Orzov coming in at number six. So, um. But I like that aristocrat stuff going on. And then just above Orzov is Rakdos, also with about 13,000, nearing 14,000 decks to its name. And then,
2: uh, Dana, take us through the top four. We're looking at Demir in fourth place with just over 16,000 decks. Golgari um, in third with about 16,500. Simic, number two, at over 17,000. But Izzet is a full 1,000 decks ahead of Simic at... Eighteen thousand three hundred nine. Air horns.
0: Like you are wrong about Simic. New quippy title for this podcast. I'm sure we'll find some clickbaity version of it. Like, is it is number one? That is not necessarily what players were expecting. Like we saw, only 12, 13 percent of uh, players actually voted for is it, and a lot of people thought it would be Simic. Simic is close, but it's not actually number one. Is it's number one? I mean, I don't, I don't get it because you can't do necromancy in
1: those colors, so I don't really get the draw, but I mean, good for you, is it? A, bu- a bunch of those mad scientists like Robin Williams and Flubber, they're just, you know, <laughs> sparks coming out of their hair, all static electricity and everything, yeah.
2: I mean, like, and I know Joyra's popular and I know Niv-Mizzet's popular, but like after mm-hmm. that I was struggling to think of what people were playing in those colors beyond those decks, which... At least didn't even seem that popular to me. Like I know people play them, but th- this one genuinely shocked me. I was shocked to see is it this high. I don't think I would have guessed even the top five.
0: Yeah, it's been really impressive to see because when we actually compare this to the data that we drew about a year and a half ago, still um, you know keeping our data up to date, you know redrawing these reports and stuff like that, just to make sure that we're staying current, staying staying hip, I guess. When we looked at the uh, the data that we had drawn about a year and a half ago, is it was actually still number one there too, but it was like nearly tied with Golgari. It was like a matter of barely 20 decks or 10 decks or something like that. So Izzet and Golgari had been in a in an, a race there for, for like a while, but Izzet is actually moving uh, above it there, which is uh, just pretty cool to see. There's also been some other movement to note there too. Boros, for example, has not actually been on the Bottom rung for too much. It's not even the best at being the worst necessarily I guess you could say that like players like the challenge with boros They know that there's some shortcomings there, but it's fun to see what you can do But also boros has gotten you know, some good support, you know feather definitely helped out its numbers there and permitted it from sinking whereas azorius azorius when we drew this data last time was in like sixth place and now it's dropped all the way to the bottom because I guess just looking over the past year and a half, what necessarily has Azorius gotten that would have given it a a, a new Verve, that would have gotten a huge surge of popularity? There doesn't seem to be a whole lot, I guess, which is kind of why that that shift would happen and Azorius would fall down to where it's gone.
1: Well, I'm trying to think the last time there was really an exciting kind of Azorius commander, and I I can't really think of one that was, you know, I, I remember players being super excited about maybe Lavinia, the kind of play fair, you can only cast spells as long as you have that many lands equal to the converted mana cost. But even then, that, one, that wasn't like a super fun or popular type <laughs> of Azorius commander. So I can't really think of the last time we've got something that I remember players being super excited about in the Azorius color combination, which everything, every other guild, I can at least name one commander, or at least partner pair in that color combination that people were seemed to be excited about.
0: Yeah, Azorius doesn't, the, the stuff that Azorius is good at doesn't necessarily lead to the most social commander games, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah, like if you're playing Azorius, your choices are basically, you can either blink stuff or you can role play as a hall monitor. And that's those are your choices. <laughs>
1: well, well, I was going to say something quippy, but that's rude. But I was going to say, <laughs> uh, looking at the list last time we, we compiled this data compared to this time, the sheer number of decks has over- or more than doubled. Like the the Rakdos had about, it had under 6,000 decks to its name. And now Rakdos has almost 14,000 decks. So like every, every color combination is almost doubling up, which is like the boom in commander. Since we last looked at this information has just, we have so many more decks in the database and it's, it's kind of awesome to see. And we know that we're getting better ideas of, of what's actually out there just because of the sheer number of you know decks that are out there
0: yeah for sure it's a cool thing to be able to observe that part of the popularity here too and another thing that i like seeing i mean we just talked about how azorius has fallen down to you know dead last place but you just mentioned ractos ractos has really had an excellent rise. Last time that we looked at this, Rakdos was the one in last place, kind of, you know, vying with Boros for last place, as it were. Boros hasn't moved from ninth, but Rakdos has definitely moved out of 10th. Rakdos is now the number 5 most popular two-color combination, and I think that it got just a huge surge of new, fun, interesting stuff going on. Um, Miss Ang Angie Falconrath, for example, I know that that one kind of devolved into a bit of a combo deck, but that particular pre-con still had stuff like, you know, Graven Predator captain for example there's a lot of cool creative stuff that was going on in that precon. the chainer nightmare adapt uh also like there's some cool stuff that that really gave a lot of reinvigoration to and ractus is still getting more creative love over the past year and a half too like the new blim comedic genius for example that thing's hilarious i don't know how popular it'll end up being but when your color combination contains that type of kookiness it's hard not to be drawn to it
1: well, saying that that deck is is hilarious. I mean, that's kind of living up to the name of comedic genius. So yeah, you are right, Joey. (laughs) It's in the name.
0: It's so funny. It hurts. (laughs) Well, and an interesting thing that I think is important to highlight here, you know, we just talked about how there have been two color combos that did have a pretty big shift in their overall popularity. You know, Azorius trended down and rectos trended up. But for the most part, we are seeing a lot of consistency comparing data both before, you know, and also after, you know, looking at it now today. You know, largely Is it Golgari and Simic have all stayed at the top spots. Demir has consistently been the fourth most popular color combination. Orzov tends to be pretty middle, just like Seles. Uh, Ciliz- it tends to be somewhere in the middle there in terms of popularity. I guess what I'm basically saying is that those type of shakeups are rare and I think it would take a, a pretty big printing of some new commanders and new cards to really give that a whole lot of shakeup uh, is just a, a thing to know about the way that the data t- tends to trend for these color combos. Something big would have to happen for that uh, destabilizer to shift around a whole lot.
2: Well, well, sometimes that big thing just takes the form of a new really popular commander if we look at the list here of the most popular commanders in each of these guild colors they tend to lean towards being the relatively new ones um you mm-hmm. know if we start at is it which is the the most popular guild looking at niv mizzet Perrin as the uh, most popular commander there in over 3000 decks you know that's two-ish years old there for that commander, just just under, I believe. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot of that if you keep going on, down the list. Tatyova, Benthic Druid in Simic is, you know, 2,200 decks, about three years old. So we're seeing things that are, you know, three, four years old at the oldest in this list if you keep going down it. Marin of Clan Naltoth is a little bit older, but in the history of Legends and Magic, it's not. It's relatively new. Yuriko uh, mm-hmm. Tiger Shadow a number four, and Demir in almost 4,000 decks. Another one last couple years.
0: Yeah, that's a, and, and how Dana, how much do you want to bet that eventually AC, a new Simic commander that does the same thing as Tatiova basically, will eventually usurp her spot? When do you think that might happen? Do you
2: think that might happen? <laughs> I mean, it, until the, the newest, newest Simic commander who does the same thing comes out, I guess, then AC will be the... <laughs> The the one vying for that throne for sure. It, it lets you play two additional lands right. instead of there just
0: go. one, and you
2: and you draw three
0: cards per landfall ability. Oof. Oh man. <laughs> Alright, what else are we seeing? Uh, looking through the most popular commander from each guild, uh, what else are we seeing past that and how new do they end up being?
1: Well Joey, you, you mentioned Enya Falconrath earlier in the show <laughs> um, but she also happens to be the most popular Rakdos commander, um, over 2,000 decks to her name, uh, coming in for Orzhov, Uh, We see a lot of the Guilds of Ravnica block commanders, they seem to have done quite a bit for their respective guilds. Taysa Karlov, over 3,300 decks coming in um, One of the, you know, almost a top 10 of all time commander right there. Mm. And then Tristani, my voice, Selesnia's voice, uh, the most popular Selesnia commander of all time. But there's only 1,500 decks for uh, Tristani, which means a lot of the Selesnia commanders, they're all kind of vying in the middle. They're, they're, it's pretty widespread as far as the popularity there.
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of something important to note there too, is that Trostani is uh, a, a- there hasn't been as much new invigoration uh, to shake up what Selesnya is doing. If the color combos are sticking to their same traditional lanes, I think that that's probably something that kind of highlights why some of these color combinations would fall towards the bottom of the list compared to the ones that are innovating near the top of the list. Even if, you know, you play a land and you draw a card isn't necessarily the most innovative thing, there's still enough going on that the colors can play around in some fun new areas. You get your Gore Moldrax, for example, in Simic. And in Demir, it isn't just necessarily about graveyards and milling people, you also get Eurekos that show up there too. There's a lot more happening in the flavor of those color uh, commanders, I guess, that isn't necessarily happening for Selesnia. No offense, Matt, I know that you love it a whole lot, but it does tend to be big tokens and smashy a whole lot. And when that <laughs> same note gets hit a whole bunch, that doesn't giving us as much diversity to play around in those colors. And I guess I'm just kind of wondering if that's a reason that it might fall to the lower rungs of the ladder. Uh, and I, you probably are going to stop talking to me now because I just insulted you. <laughs> your favorite color combo
1: if, if i were going to stop talking to you that would happen a long time ago Joe.
2: <laughs> well I, I do think it's a good point because joey mentioned you know d- diversity a little bit while well, they do um Enya falconrath was the first madness commander we had and it seems like you know her popularity alone is what kind of orinoco flowed rakdos up to the caribbean bluer waters of fifth place in our list <laughs> what
0: <laughs> He didn't actually have a point. He just wanted to make those. Buns. I just wanted to
2: drop as many Enya song titles as possible. Who, who can joke.
0: tell? Only time. <laughs> I oh man I, I I will be out of commission
1: for the entire rest of the show. Oh, Perfect.
0: I just got to want to get to the next. Thing. The
1: old man cast will start now for all the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Talking about oh. breakfast cereals and songs
2: Joey doesn't know.
0: I know Enya. How dare you? (laughs) I just call her Miss Angie Falconrath instead. Um, I I think that what I mentioned about uh, Selesnia also probably applies to Gruul. The most popular commander that we're seeing for Gruul is Omnath Locus of Rage, Still. Um, Not saying Still is like a bad... Like, that's a cool commander. Like, he does powerful stuff. If you're doing Landfall, that's probably the first commander that you'll think of. Um, there are some three-color options, like Lord Windgrace, that also might jump to mind, for example. But, like, Omnath is classic, and that's not a knock against him at all. He's doing what he wants. It's just also, Gruul is all about the big and the smashy, for sure. Um, when we look near the bottom of the list, you know, Feather the Redeemed is the most popular Boros commander, and Brago King Eternal is still the most popular Orzorius commander. And I think that it definitely holds true for Azorius that there's not as much innovation necessarily happening. It's a lot of flying, it's a lot of prison, you know, sort of controlling on what your opponents can or cannot do in these aureus Colors. Boros is getting some innovation, he said, hopefully with Feather, um, but it could still use more to help it knock out of that ninth place slump that 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 would that would that would be cool and i hope that feather is proof that it's still possible to do a whole lot more and to get gore Moldrax in boros colors instead of just in in other colors
1: well and one thing that's really interesting to note here is omnath locus of rage like you said is is one of the most quintessential gruel commanders out there but as far as going all-time ranks Omnath Locus of Rage has dropped to number 76 all time Mm. in popularity. And that used to be, in my mind, at least a couple years ago, top 10 for sure. Um, Same with Brago King Eternal. Now, Dana, I don't want to offend your other podcast, um, (laughs) Max, um, who has a Brago King Eternal deck. But like Brago is now not even in the top 50 anymore. And that used to be like one of the peak commanders. You know, just if you had a commander deck, chances are it might have been a Brago deck. Whereas now... You know, we talked about Feather the Redeemed, number seventeen of all time, uh, coming in, and that's one. Of, it's a very, very new commander as well. So it's just it's interesting to see some of these old trends and, and paradigms that we used to have as players. You know, with Omnath and Brago being, oh yeah, that's definitely like a top ten most played commander. Not really anymore because it's twenty twenty, and, and Simic does Simic things.
2: <laughs> well, and it's also worth noting we talked about a lot of you know the newer commanders pulling the popularity of guilds. Well, the Azorius in last place has the oldest commander on this list there. That's probably not a coincidence. Yeah, that is true. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think that like there's obviously, you know, part of this will feed into the fact that Idiotrek, we do have a a drop off period for the data that we accrue because we want to make sure that we keep the trends current with what people are building. With the number of crazy commander products that come out every year now, we want to make sure that the data is current and not reflecting old habits from years and years and years ago. So we do try to, you know, that that could certainly be filtering into a lot of uh, the observations that we're able to make here with the data that we're seeing here. But at the same time, I think that it also, this data that we're seeing speaks to the fact that we as players are also craving creativity and turnover ourselves. Like, I am now more comfortable taking a deck apart and building something new than I was even two years ago, where it was very much, I built this deck and it's my baby and I will hold on to it forever. I can't possibly imagine taking it apart. Nowadays, I feel like we are actually able to be a lot more flexible with the commanders that we want to brew and you know taking them apart is actually more of a a genuine possibility and we're looking forward to whatever next new thing ignites that creative spark within us to get us brewing over and over again so that turnover i think is something that is kind of highlighted by these numbers too
1: well and even though joey like you said we we do drop decks off if they have not been updated at least in the last two Mm -hmm. years it will drop off and, and fall out of our database even with that that we've implemented in the past couple years we're still seeing more decks than ever. So even though people right. might be taking decks apart, people are building more and more decks, just A, because we have more Commanders, we have more product, but just the the format itself. We kind of touched on this a few weeks ago when, when Olivia came on, Commander is booming, like despite everything that's going on, like Commander in 2020 really exploded in popularity, even more so than years prior. So I think we're just gonna continue to see this trend of, yes, we, we might be purging old decks because nobody's updated in, since, you know, 2013, that's fine but we're gonna have 10 decks to replace it and so we're just we're always seeing more and more decks which is kind of crazy to see because we used to see a lot of decks and now we're seeing I can't even grok how many decks we're, we're getting uploaded onto all these websites
0: I, I love the way that you described the data there. For every one deck that is taken apart, 10 decks will rebuild it. And it's just like, has, is is commander Hydra. format actually, is,
1: <laughs> are we actually just a bunch of hydras? Is that actually. We, we, like that, that's why Gargos is the most popular because Gargos is commander. You chop off one head, it re- gets replaced by a few more.
0: We have come full circle. And honestly, I'm here for it. That was beautifully executed, Matt. Well done. You're welcome. well done. You
1: are welcome, friend. <laughs> OK,
0: do we have any other final tidbits that we want to touch on before we wrap up the show? Any other observations that we have about creative energy for deck buildings and the most popular colors and especially the perceptions between what players thought would be the most popular versus what actually is and the power that feeds into that? Anything else that we want to uh, wrap up before we wrap up? That was a well-constructed sentence. Question mark.
2: Um, I, I think the perception thing is interesting. Um, one thing I've noticed in life a little bit is uh, when you first encounter a thing, um, it gets a little bit tough to shake your initial per- perception of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fairly recently, I ran into an old coworker of mine who I hadn't seen in, you know, eight or ten years and. Um, when I last saw him, he was like fresh out of college and 23 years old and he's now, you know, over 30 with multiple children. But in my head, he was still cemented as being, you know, 23 years old and out of college. Um, it's easy to forget that, like, the passage of time affects things and, and changes what's going on. Demir, for example, in my mind, I remember when I first started playing Commander, looking at Demir Commanders and being like, there's there's just very few options that are at all interesting here. Um, seven or eight years have passed since then and, you know, a hundred new Dimir commanders have dropped, many of which are are really fun to play and build. Um, So my initial perception of what was available for options in Demir is obviously no longer the same thing. And I'm aware that that's changed. But still in the back of my mind, when I just like impulsively go to make a click, I never would have thought Demir was in the top four because I still, unless I actively make it a point to think about it, still am am tracing back to, you know, 2013 when there just weren't very many good Demir options. So I guess the lesson there is to not get too stuck in what your initial perception was, particularly when you're dealing with something that's changed as radically as Commander mm-hmm. with the amount of new legends I've injected into the format, you know, particularly the last year or two.
0: I think that's a really, really great lesson, especially because I, I'll just apply that to like my favorite colors, for example. I mean, obviously black's the best color in magical guard is the absolute best thing. Everyone should be playing that. But like, if that's my initial attachment to colors too, then it could cause me to ignore the stuff that is actually creatively going on in the other color combos too. And I might not have given Azorius uh, the time of day. I might not have given Boros the time of day, but I really should because some stuff is happening there that I have to make sure that I'm paying attention to. So Dana, I absolutely love that point. That definitely applies and i hope that you are able to get over your first impressions of uh, whatever next color combination surprises you i guess
2: prismatic piper partner with prismatic piper is now a viable option in colorless <laughs> and i shouldn't just get stuck on the fact that there's not a bunch of things you can play
0: you can't have two prismatic pipers in the command zone and even if you could what would you accept to joey Oh, my goodness. Anyway, fellas, that was really cool stuff to look through. But I think it's about time that we call this episode to a close. So if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find you all not building double Prismatic Piper <laughs> Commander decks?
1: Well, Matt. you can find me on Twitter at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. You can also find us streaming games, probably not with Prismatic Piper double partner pairing um, <laughs> at twitch.tv slash EDH
2: and Dana. You can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach. You can hear me on my other podcast once a week, CMDR Central. And you can find all of us at patreon.com slash
0: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast on Facebook and on Twitter at EDHRECcast. Plus, if you have a question, you can contact us at EDHRECcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out again to Josh Lee Kwai and the whole team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast. And our thanks to our sponsors, that's TCGplayer and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC or by visiting CardKingdom.com slash EDHREC to show support for the show. We'll be back at you next week with more data and insight. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.